Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler, along with... Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. Welcome back, Alan White. It's a pleasure. What are we to do? Oh, you're doing a lot on your own, and Charlotte and myself, we're doing a little bit, too, you know? We're trying to get the word out and trying to wake people up. But the delusion that I run into that, that's within people, they're so deluded out there. I don't know. They're, it, it, and it's synergistically being held into that delusion. They're, they're trapped, it seems like. They're trapped because habit and routine, routine creates habit. And they've been brought up again with television and things that go. I, mean, I noticed this in the 70s in Britain when there was really a depression going on, a, a financial depression going on. And uh, millions were, were, were off work on welfare. Margaret Thatcher came out and said, a generation is growing up who will never see work in their lifetime, so get used to it. And uh, it was an incredible uh, country to, to, to visit again and, and look at and watch this happening. And, but what the strange thing was, is, was the denial of the people who were still working. Now, everyone lives in streets. And everyone knew those that were unemployed in their own streets. They knew people were committing suicide all over the country. And in fact, Britain had the highest suicide rate. It overtook Sweden at the time. And, and yet no one wanted to talk about it. But you switched on that TV and you wouldn't think anything was amiss. And on would come the comedy shows, uh, the same comedy shows you, you tuned into every Tuesday or Wednesday. As long as that routine was kept up, people would stay in denial. And people uh, would rather... They'll avoid pain at any cost, even psychological pain, and they'll seek pleasure. So this is what they've always known at the top. So they give you lots of, of bread and circuses during times of great change and depression, knowing that the, the vast amount of the public will always choose pleasure and, and, and go in complete denial of, of what's happening next door or the suffering down the street or whatever. And this is what they count on is, is self-interest. Um, Huxley and Russell both said they would create a society of egocentric people where each person would be taught the world revolves around them and you would be disassociated from those next to you and around you and you would seek pleasure and that's what they've created uh, in ancient Rome when they were holding on to their empire towards the end when the corruption was rampant uh, from those at the top plundering the world and, and, and squandering the money um, they gave the people bread and circuses, and that was called the dole. You were given a dole out of bread, and that's the term that's still used in Britain today for unemployment money. They dole out the money. It's called the dole, and they give you lots of entertainment so you don't think too deeply. You live for the moment. You don't think ahead. You're, you're, you're stuck in, in the matrix. Yeah. yeah, the term on the dole, That's uh, I heard it in my American youth out in California. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're on the dole. Yep. So nothing has changed. The techniques are all the same, really. The only difference is you're given money to buy your own wine or bread and, or, whatever, or drugs or whatever. And that's what's done to the people. They've been created to be egocentric, to live for themselves, uh, to be disassociated and have pleasure, seek pleasure. Now, and now, they're all now, doing get, that. They're being yeah, get into that dissociation a little bit more. How does that work exactly? You, you have a natural... Um, bonding uh, mainly with family and uh, traditionally all down through time uh, your family are the ones you go to when you're in trouble uh, no matter if you're the black sheep of the family the, you, your family generally are the last ones and the only ones to, to help you out government decided a long time ago that the last vestige of tribalism 
which was their enemy, remember, in the 1700s, was still tribalism. The Scots were still fighting uh, the English at that time. And they said that they'd have to destroy tribalism and even the last vestiges of tribalism, which was the family unit. Only then could government and government officials talk down to you personally as an individual without a family gathering around to protect you and stand up for you. And once that situation was achieved, the people would be powerless. And George Orwell showed us that situation at the beginning of, of uh, even the black and white movie they made of his book 1984, the English version with John Hurt. Um, it starts off with a TV in the room that watched him and the figure on the television has given him exercises to do, and it says, yes, you number so-and-so. Uh, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Well, that's government talking to you. There's no one around you to help you. There's no family. There's nothing. You're on your own. And when you create that kind of on-your-ownness, you feel minuscule, helpless, and you're, you're in subjugation to powerful authorities. That's what elitists have dreamed out about for centuries. Well, it's and, not and they've working. Well achieved it. Well, they haven't quite perfected it yet, but they've, they've done an awfully good job on it. Um, they will, and I think uh, last week I read on the air uh, a report given out by the CIA director, the present CIA director, and he said, he said he's saying that they're very, very worried about the, co the coming ethnic struggles within the United States, he said. And I, I thought, well, sure there will be, because they will stir it up at the right time. And they generally put their own leaders in amongst all the different groups anyway to stir up the trouble. And uh, so, so one way or another, they're going to create the problems of strife, blame tribalism, blame the old-fashioned way of procreating amongst ourselves and, and family and so on, and, and then see we've got to find a new way of living. After a long, prolonged war when we're all at their mercy, We'll, we'll, we'll want a solution, and you'll come forward with this old, old solution that was drafted up a long time ago. Prince Philip just came out um, in England, and this guy is amazing. I mean, it, his dad and his uncle were both given special uniforms, SS uniforms, by Hitler. You know, this is the guy who married the Queen of England. Uh, this is the guy who said in the 50s and the 60s that the British people, the workers, were lazy. They should copy the Germans. This is a guy who never did any work in his life. In fact, uh, the Greeks threw him out of Greece. Uh, that's know? right. He comes from that Greek uh, uh, line, doesn't he? He does, but they're actually Prussians. That's what you find with royalty. They never belong to the people that they rule over. They're of a different bloodline. So he's actually a Prussian. Well, what king of England didn't even speak English? when he? <laughs> oh, King James. Uh, I mean, King James. Um, uh, Which one uh, was it? King George. George. King George, George didn't speak English. He spoke German. Yeah. And, and mo modern BBC English is a corruption of the English that was spoken, uh, but because he spoke it this way with these strange vowel sounds, that's become the upper class normal. <laughs> if you go back, you go back to the Hanover line, northern Germany, Coburg, Hesse, and you go back to the Guelph line. Yes, the, the, is the, that what you, how you track these people out? Yes, Guelph is actually the old name for wolf. Yeah, wolf, country. or velf, velf, and, wolf, and, and it's Guelph, velf. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, uh, it's the Sachs, Coburg, Gotha, the three main families uh, that are connected with the Habsburg, uh, they've ruled over the whole of Europe since pretty well the Norman invasion. And uh, they don't, they've always intermarried each other. They think they're superior bloodlines. And Prince Philip just came out in the newspaper there, in the Telegraph, and, and he says... Uh, he said, um, 
He's brought the whole agenda out. He says food prices are going up. Everyone thinks it's to do with not enough food, but it's really that demand is too great. There's too many people. He says it's embarrassing for everybody. No one quite, know how, quite knows how they handle it. Nobody wants their family life to be interfered with by the government. He says overpopulation is to blame for many of the problems afflicting millions of people around the world. So, so now they're bringing out their old, old agenda, blaming the public, even though we know for, from, from all the census that's been taken since 1890, the, 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 the static populations within the Western world have been dropping drastically for 100 years. But, but they bring in so many immigrants to give the appearance of overpopulation. Immigrants always head towards the major cities. And, and so you, you get the appearance of being overpopulated because they don't want just... To, to bring down the population of one country. They want you all, the whole planet, to bring down the population of all the common people. Well, what, yeah, what's your take on the avian flu and, and the flu epidemics that they begin to talk about? It's for the birds. Is yeah. that right? It's, <laughs> it's for the birds. Well, see, every Is flu it good bird on liner? Do you put it in the bottom of a bird cage, yeah, bird liner? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every flu, supposedly, they tell us, every flu starts with the waterfowl in China. They can't tell us why this is. <laughs> but supposedly the geese and the duck bring it. And, uh, and so they're blaming them. And uh, uh, the flu, I'm sure, whenever they release a real pandemic, which they, they probably will do one day, um, in fact, I think they'll give us financial crisis, pandemics, and a whole bunch of and wars all at the same time. That's that's called chaos. You must bring in an age of chaos. And out of chaos of comes order. order. Is that it? That's right. That's it. Out of chaos, this chaos, you're going to have some order. Yeah. And so once the people are frizzled and fried and just war weary and hungry, and it's been gone for long, then you'll you'll, you'll beg them for help, and out will come their manifesto. And it'll be to do with depopulation, sterilization of what they claim in eugenic societies is the unfit. Well, you, call these that, eugenic societies. Uh, what you're saying is you've got to preserve the earth so the humans have to go. Is that it? Uh, yes. And so because if you worship the earth more than you do anything else, then the earth is, is it, right? Yes. And you find from the 1890s census onwards, along with this uh, Carnegie Institute they set up at Cold Springs Harbor for genetics, They've been also collecting your family histories of, of your medical problems since 1890. Uh, psychological problems, criminal records, all down the line. Now Bush just passed that law that we can take all children's blood at birth for DNA testing and experimentation. Uh, this is a eugenics program we've been living through for 100 years, and these guys have never changed the direction they're going in. They want to eventually forbid certain people to have children and get the rest of the public to applaud that be the initial stages until it starts to spread out and they add more and more lists to it until if you possibly even get an allergy uh, you won't be born you'll be terminated so so they're going to have it down scientifically the scientific dictatorship is right here huh? that's it it's right here it's alive and well it's alive and well and they're managing us and we're cattle and we're sheep and we're buying for but we they have to do it through what a collective state uh you know for centralization is that it? That's right. Uh, if you read the writings, uh, Karl Marx was a, uh, he wrote most of his manifesto in London, England, and he was put up by the wealthy families and brought in, in fact, to write his manifesto. And because they were going to use communism as the, like the Hegelian dialectic, to get the, the herd to change direction like big sheep in a field, you need really two sheepdogs or one very good dog, but generally two sheepdogs, and one will go from one side 
one comes from the other side and just behind them and the sheep will start moving in a central direction towards the pen well that's what they use for the general public and they, they actually use these terms when they're describing it to each other uh, and, they, and they, they use animalistic terms and they even call us the herd in fact in medicine today the herd inoculation yeah. herd instinct so oh. so you have to have an enemy supposedly to get debate going to get argument going and then they come along with a pre-planned conclusion as you amalgamate the two ideas together okay Alan we got a couple of callers on the line would you like to take a few calls sure yeah yeah let's go to uh, uh, Kinsey in Pennsylvania what is your your question for Alan Watt Hi, it's Quince from Pennsylvania. Quince, I'm sorry. Great show. I heard Alan mention Roy Masters on his show a few weeks ago, and I recall hearing Roy interview Malachi Martin and discussing how evil impinges itself on the fabric of the mind. And I wish that more of the freedom movement people would understand that our that the people that are trying to take over the world, I don't think they fully understand that they're they're not running on their own, that they're being commanded from unseen forces. Could you comment on that, please? Yeah, I'm not so sure they don't understand that, to be honest with you. I, I think a lot of them at the top, uh, because they do have their inner religion there, and they do believe uh, that thoughts aren't simply something that originate within your own mind at times. They come from elsewhere. And many of them have discussed this at the top levels. We know they have the, their incredible... Uh, pacts they have with each other uh, in their swearing in ceremonies in higher nobility uh, organized um, masonry for instance much higher than the 33 degrees of the Scottish Rite and they do believe that they bring in the powers as they call them some, there's many ways they couch it but the powers of the universe or entities or whatever um, so, so I think some of them definitely are aware uh, that there's something else involved. They call this manifest destiny. Uh, so they do believe that there's a force behind uh, this agenda they're on. Quince, got anything else? Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe perhaps they don't believe that that manifest evil is going to destroy them as well. That's, that's one part of it. In fact, what's interesting about that is that from the days of pharaohs, now pharaohs were treated as gods. And they were gods, according to the people at the time. And the gods owned the land, the sea, the sky, everything that flew and everything that crawled and buried into the ground. Uh, he owned everything. And even through the symbolism of trying to preserve the bodies for eternity through mummification, always showed you that the agenda was always the same. It was to fix what they called spirit in matter for eternity, but only for a deserving elite. And if you go into the occult uh, side of things, you look at what, what uh, a, 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 a demon is, for instance, old-fashioned words, etc., unlaughable today for most people, but if you look at what a demon was, a demon was a bodiless entity, and hell to a demon was the absence of the physical world of sensation. If it was locked away in space, no sensations at all, so, so heaven to a demon is the opposite. Heaven is earth. And, and therefore the inhabitation of a host was the ultimate. Okay. And if you look at wh wh where the agendas go with the elite and David Suzuki, a big player uh, in the propaganda movement towards the greening, sustainable development and so on, who also works for the World Wildlife Fund and the United Nations and who is a geneticist, 
He mentioned on mainstream news in Canada a few years ago that they now had the ability to make a person live for 500 years if they so wish. So, so, so technically, their heaven is here if we allow it. Okay, we got to cut away. Quince, thank you for your call. Thank Okay, and, and Wyatt, uh, hold on the line and we'll get you after the, the break here. And uh, we're going to cut away here. Thank you very much, Alan. Charlotte, be right back. Online and on demand, this is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler along with... Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt. We've got Wyatt in uh, Maryland. What is your question for Alan Watt? You're live on World Review Commentary. How are you doing, guys? Uh, uh, first of all, your guest, uh, Alan, is it? Yes. yes, Alan Watt. Alan, you are a fascinating, fascinating person. I mean, the information that you're... It's just mine. To me, it's like a, an edu- a religious education exercise, but it's a different type of religion. It's, it's what you're talking, the way you're speaking, and how you're, and the information you're putting out is, in a way, we, in a way, we all kind of know this, mm-hmm. or many aspects of it, but we have been programmed not to even discuss it or think about it in our minds. As, as but when you hear. It, well, the information you're bringing out, when I when I hear it, I I, I have a realization in my mind of, of the truth that you're you're speaking. But I could not intelligently even begin to bring it forward, which I think is fascinating. Uh, and the uh, second comment, I just want to make a comment. It's not really a question. Sure, that's okay. Go uh, ahead. One of, yeah, one of the questions that I had. Well, it is a kind of question. There is a movie that's uh, several years old. That reminded me of your, what the information you're bringing out. Did, did you happen to see, or anyone of you happen to see, the movie that took place in? Well, it was an English movie, but it took place in in Europe. Uh, the, the movie premise took place in Europe. Um, it was called Children of Men. Did anyone of you see that? I'm not pr- familiar with uh, that. Yeah, yeah. I okay. Saw well, it. The, chil- the Children of Men is mysteriously no women can bear children. Mm-hmm, that's right. And they, they didn't explain how it happened, but uh, in, in the movie. But um, for years, children could not be born, and those children who survived became uh, glorified in the world as a as a, uh, a living miracle. Yeah, they said it was a virus that started to. Yeah. Right. That's that's right. Then um, uh, one interesting thing about it was. The immigration that took place in Europe, which Europe is full of immigrants uh, from uh, other other parts of the country that have come into different countries in Europe, and it's a real problem, just like the in the United States, just like uh, I would say that the uh, Latin American uh, immigration problem has become here. But because none of the children could be born, women could not get pregnant, what they started to do was get rid of their immigrants by mm-hmm. deporting them and actually killing them if mm-hmm. necessary. And yeah. the immigrants, yeah, and it was very interesting because it, it has a lot to, it, a lot in common with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Again, all these sci-fi movies come out. Even The Hadden Made Tale was, was along a similar way. 
written years ago uh, about people that become sterile and only the elite would, would they'd have to bring in different wives to try and get a baby born so that they get noble blood carried on. Uh, this is a, a repeated formula down through the ages. Most program we have is through fiction, as I say, and the, the futurist society was set up to bring in writers who, who would be given real information and they were told to write stories around the information and they'd use that for predictive programming. That, that which you've seen before floats around in the back of your mind. When the real right. event happens, you think it had to happen, it's natural. So, so these characters who write a lot of these movies know the agenda, but there's no doubt about it uh, that a long time ago, and remember these guys at the top, this international club, they have no favorite races. They, you know, they, they do like the Germanic stock, uh, and they wrote about that in the Carnegie Institute when they set up Cold Spring Harbor, uh, right. they, mainly thing, because uh, they were an obedient people. Yeah. Right. One thing that's happening here uh, in the United States, at least, uh, at least uh, on television, with all the advertisements that they have for uh, medication and uh, uh, basically uh, destroying people. One of one of the one of the uh, fictions is that uh, young girls are subject to the human papilloma papilloma virus, mm -hmm. yeah. and and they're all getting these shots from yeah. I think either Merck Pharmaceuticals or, or Pfizer. I'm not really sure who it was, yeah. but if you look at that. What that children getting this at 13 and 14 years old and younger, this shot, what if that sterilizes them just like this movie? Well, we do know this is a, this is fact, and, and it eventually came out and was admitted to by the United Nations after a few years. The United Nations put forth an agenda to, to sterilize millions of women in India and Africa by offering what they claimed was free tetanus shots to women only. And millions of women got it. They all came down with with, with the chronic uh, cystitis, and and eventually their ovaries uh, were simply uh, inflamed and destroyed. They were they were literally sterilized. And on the CBC television at the time, uh, the news shot a little article about it. Didn't uh, didn't give you the preempt of of what this article was about. It was kind of shocking. Two men had a map from the United Nations and a reporter asking them why they thought they had the right to do what they'd done. And these two characters said, well, somebody has to do it. They won't stop doing this by themselves. And that's how they justified sterilizing women, by lying to them and offering them free shots. Personally, I don't believe we can take any shots. And we probably should have taken none at all for the last hundred years. Personally, I believe that. Because when I've gone into the writings of people like Bertrand Russell, he mentioned the use of the needle to make a dumb, uh, a dumbed-down, obedient uh, population. So they already had discussed using inoculations a long, long time ago to Wyatt, get away. Yeah, Wyatt, thank sure. you for your call. We've got thank to move on to much. the next caller. But thank you, and call back and keep listening. We appreciate your questions and comments. Thank you very much. You know, uh, George, before we take the call, let's give out Alan's website. Okay, um, go ahead. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Yes. For those of you out there who uh, haven't visited Alan's website, it's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Okay, Melissa from Maryland, you're live on World Review Commentary. What's your question for Alan Watt? Okay, well, you've already answered the first one, so I'll give you the other three. Okay, go ahead. Get, hit him, hit him with a machine gun. Right? Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not that I'm a... Rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat, right? Okay. He's a good but guy. He can handle it. Have, do we have anything to be concerned about when making blood donations to the American Red Cross? That's number one, because they're the only ones that I know of 
that do the community uh, blood mobiles and blood drives. So that's number one. Number two, do we have anything to be concerned about if we are interested in participating in the National Geographic DNA Project? And then number three, you'll have to excuse me because this is eerie and spooky, but uh, what do funeral homes do with the blood after they embalm people? And that's mm -hmm. number three, and go right ahead. Okay. The, the first one was to do with, uh, what was it, the first one? Whether well, or not... Oh, go ahead. I asked you about um, if we had anything to be concerned about with giving blood Red, to the Red Cross. Red yeah, Red Cross. Well, blood. remember when Barbara Bush was, was put as the titular head of the Red Cross, the Red Cross, um, through deals again with Clinton, uh, was buying blood from prisons, and, take, and they knew this blood was tainted with hepatitis and other diseases. They brought it up into Canada and sold it through Connaught Laboratories, Connaught Laboratories was set up in World War II as a bacterial warfare department. It's now a private organization, and I still think it's involved in some certain things. However, thousands of hemophiliacs across Canada died, and the Red Cross was behind it. They knew what they were doing. Now, they get all this blood for nothing, and they make all these blood products out of it. They sell it to companies who make blood products. It's a big, booming business. That's what it is. And you'll find underneath these charities there's an awful lot of dirt. And, and personally, when the government, like what happened in, with Katrina, uh, the government backs certain organizations. I stay clear of them because you can guarantee you. Red Cross Society has a Red Cross for a very important reason. That's why they can go across battlefields left unscathed and the unwritten rule of Freemasonry. That's the Red Cross of the Knights Templars that they still use. But, but it's like the Knights Templars, they're also plunderers. Behind the mask of charity, you'll find some rather evil faces at work. Uh, that's my opinion of them personally. Uh, the DNA project that's underway, I would steer away from because the project is to get everyone's DNA to label and categorize you as either a useless eater, an inferior type, or prone to diseases that will be a burden on society. So don't volunteer for it. It will also affect your, your children down the road. Does that answer your that questions data. or you want to hold over? Oh, I ho he left yeah, one out, so I'll have to hold over. We'll hold, we'll hold over. The freedom message waking up people everywhere. I'm Ron Paul, and you're listening to We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler along with... Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt, and our caller, Melissa from Maryland. Yes, so the last one was the funeral, but the funeral... Yes, the funeral home, uh, what, blood products? Yeah, well, I do know, again, there's another scandal hit Canada. No doubt it was being done for other countries, but uh, a few years ago it was found that there was also blood coming in and being bought up to be reused in hospitals in Canada... And they did say in the newspapers at the time that they were draining the corpses, corpses in hospitals in Africa. You know, you wouldn't believe the things that go on uh, for a buck. When the dollar walks, morality talk, or talks, morality walks. And, and we're living in a nightmare when you really look in behind all of these wonderful, sterilized, disinfected organizations that were taught are so damn great. But in reality, they're monsters behind it. They all have parts of the global agenda. They all believe in bringing down the population. So when, popu when these organizations are out there to help you, I'd be very, very concerned. 
the funeral homes traditionally have supposedly drained the blood and disposed of it, and, and many of them put them down the drain. But there's a new option just coming in, and this is a, a horrific thing in itself. Now, tyrants in history have used tanks to dispose of bodies, tanks of acid, and undertakers now. This, this can be found in the Seattle Times, Friday, May the 9th. It's called the third option. And the, what they're wanting to do now is to make, make it greener, environmentally friendly, is to da- start disposing of our bodies here in the West and these acid tanks, so that'll dispose of the blood and everything else. But they might drain the blood first if they can resell it, I'm sure of that. Uh, but uh, we're living in a nightmare of supposed respectability, and we've been taught to see things completely different than the way they really are. So the proper thing to do if we have a loved one who dies is to ask the funeral home for full disclosures on how they handle these things. Absolutely. You wouldn't believe well, a good, a how good many... suggestion, Melissa. That's great. You wouldn't believe how many scandals pop up all the time from funeral homes who have sold organs off from corpses uh, for, for medical studies and so on, and students practice on them, and they, they fill up the body uh, with basically stuffing, and you're paying for all of this, and you have no idea what's actually happened. Okay, now to, to finish up what you already told me, you said that you yourself don't trust the American Red Cross. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that blood cannot be artificially made. Are you just suggesting that people stop donating blood altogether? Yeah, people won't, won't do that. They won't do that at all. Uh, again, the conditioning is too great. Um, uh, however, personally, I would not, I don't believe in helping something with ulterior agendas. Uh, to to become prolific or, or, or continue. Well, I was just going to say, or undisclosed agendas. Some of them are dis- disclosed. That's just it. Uh, as I say, the Red Cross in the past, many times in the past, even when the trade towers went down, they raked in millions and millions of dollars. So did the Salvation Army. A huge fund was collected uh, with governments matching dollar for dollar, maybe billions of dollars, and very little of that ever went to where it was supposed to go. Uh, and now this doesn't disappear. It goes into pockets at the top. It's never disclosed where the billions end up going. The same thing happened um, with, with, the, with the, the, the big hurricane that hit the Far East. Billions were, came up. They put Bush Senior in charge of it, along with Clinton, to look after the kitty. The and tsunami, the last... maybe the tsunami you're talking about. Yeah, maybe. yeah and that's the last we, we heard yeah. of it. I we, gotcha. You see, the whole thing under the guise of charity. And institutions, we've been brainwashed to look at these people like Santa Claus. He can do no wrong. And, and then you dig into the, the past history, and you'll find nothing but scandal after scandal after scandal. Well, Melissa, thank you for your call. Do you have any other comment or question? Um, just I, I'd like uh, these things, if you would, Mr. Watts, to kindly uh, uh, post uh, this on your website, the three questions I asked you. If it's not already, I can email it to you, but yeah. I want to be able to go back and, and share this with people. Okay. Sure enough. Okay, thank Melissa, you. thank you for your call. Thank you for calling. Yeah, the, these uh, the body parts, uh, uh, there, there's a little gal that I got friendly with at one of the local restaurants here in Austin. She's from Bosnia, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, she tells me a horror tale of getting involved with uh, one of her relatives got injured in an accident in Dallas. Before they knew it, he was having major problems that he shouldn't have had, and then he was dead, and then they stole some uh, organs out of him. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yep. And didn't even tell the family. That's very common. And they had to find that out later. See, it came out. They had to investigate it and found out. Some of his organs were missing before they buried him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's even worse than that. Uh, in socialized countries like Britain, uh, a few years ago there it came out that whole warehouses full of, of frozen body parts were, were turned up. Warehouses full of them. It took them two years to find out where they came from. They were all from children, 12 and under. And they found that eventually one man who was put in charge of a whole conglomeration of hospitals around Manchester area, I think it was, um, had given an order to save all body parts that could be possibly be reused. Oh, my gosh. Now, now the thing is, he was never prosecuted. It, it, it turned up a year later, another warehouse related to this turned up in Halifax. What on earth were, they, were these guys doing with all these body parts? Now, they had to return them all to, to, the, to the relatives who'd buried their children. Some of them actually had more organs removed on a second and third occasion. They had three different funerals for their, their children. This is incredible. Yeah. It, it, no one was prosecuted for this, which meant that this was ordained from a much higher level. And we don't know what they were for or where they were going to or what they'd be used for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in China, they've got horror tales coming out of China. Just just yes. you know that that alone is is something that that's a very terrible. Yes, it is. I tell you, it, it truly is. I mean, we have to realize that we're living in hell. This is turning into hell, and we've got to get rid of all these brainwashed illusions that we have and see things as they really really are. Uh, no matter how painful, but it you know what we have, we have so many people that that are in a comfort zone. But the main thing is, a friend of mine the other day, we were talking about nine eleven and some other things like that, and he said, George, if I started thinking about this and accepting some of these things and seeing them like you do, whatever, he said, I might go back drinking again. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because <laughs> yep. nothing matters anymore. See. And I, yeah. my, my retort to him was, well, let me t let me tell you, if you can face these things and secure the truth and still try to buoyant up that character and strengthen your character through this process, then you're a winner in both respects, maybe. huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, 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 uh, not, I'm never, I've never pretended there, there's not casualties in this. There's definitely casualties. I find it all the time with people who call me up. Uh, where one's woken up in a family and the mate has not, and uh, they find they're total strangers after that. Uh, this is so common, so there's casualties all along, and, and knowing things has a, a great heavy price. However, there's lots of us can bear that price, and we can go ahead, and there's only one price here, and it's def deflect. We must deflect the path we're on, which is going into an utter hell. They want literally a society of purpose-made slaves, designed slaves, DNA-created purpose-made slaves to serve them, a much smaller population. They've, they've printed this in so many books and science magazines, it's astounding. And, and we're just eating the grass as though nothing's happening, we're grazing. It's time we woke up and deflected the course we're on, which is a horror show. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> um, uh, Alan, this is uh, one of my... My uh, things that I really like is J.J. Uh, Tonkin's uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, the White Wizard ends up uh, being uh, controlled, uh, giving in to the Dark Force mm -hmm. and taking over his physical uh, manifestation in, in, you know, the Middle Earth. And he has a genetically uh, engineered military. 
Yeah. And they're all orgs, and they're just, you know, they're killers, yeah. and they're they're awful, and, and this and that. And I, I found the, uh, he wrote it, he was a, um, he's Anglo-Saxon professor studies, uh, and w- have you uh, looked at his work in relation to these, um, you know, the way the world has uh, evolved in this? There- yes, he spent his life, I think, in Oxford. In fact, even when he got married, he was given a quarters there in the grounds, and he dedicated his, his whole life to, to what to him was not a fiction. He was using lots of allegory to describe the world, but he d- did belong to an elite class himself. He believed in the class structure, the Middle Earth, it was mentioned by Francis Bacon. And so that, that upper earth, the middle earth, and the lower earth were all strata or classes of society. Uh, and that's how Francis Bacon uh, talked about it. He said those in the middle, lower, middle, and the bottom will never know reality. So Tonkin understood this, and he's a great, great friend with the poet Eliot. And Eliot uh, wrote a lot about him and how obsessed Tolkien was, utterly obsessed with even creating a proper... Uh, um, vocabulary and uh, uh, language for his characters he said everyone is very important because we're using coding for the high groups like high masons in yeah. the language itself yeah perhaps I, I would like to ask you another question about it maybe when uh, okay, we yeah. return from yeah. the break we're going to the break now and we'll be right back thank you Alan thank you Charlotte be right back hang in there everybody we'll be right back Great host, great topics, brief speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler along with Charlotte Littlefield Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt. Uh, Alan, uh, I think Charlotte was talking about Tolkien. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, one more the question. Of what fascinated me about the uh, the movie was, um, and the the book. I haven't read the book yet. I heard the book was a lot more boring than the movie. Was the the use of the rings mm-hmm. and how there were one ring for each people, but there was a master ring that controlled them all. Yeah. And I thought that was a perfect allegory or a metaphor, you know, for the. Um, for the secret societies, frankly, and the power it, circles. It is, it, it is absolutely. It's, it's like a pyramid, too, with a capstone at the top and all the bricks beneath, different separate bricks. It's the same idea. And even the Olympic flag uh, with the five interlocked rings uh, is symbolic, too. Uh, they, they use these symbols over and over down through our lifetimes, and most folk don't realize what it even means. But you're, you're, quite, you're quite right. There's always a, a master at the top. Uh, that gives a different reality even to the ones who, who are the workers that, that make all this happen above the ordinary people uh, and they must believe in it too so they're given their reality the bureaucrats are given their reality the police are indoctrinated into their own reality they're paranoid about the public now and, and the military are given their own reality and then the, the common people are kept with bread and circuses and fiction and drama and sex and, and so you're, you're quite right there's, a, there's a, a capstone here you might say or a master ring Right, and what I thought was fascinating is the Hobbit. The Hobbit, um, you know, they they lived in their shire and oblivious to the rest of Middle Earth, if you will. Yes. And they were the only ones that that had the the I, I guess the right the purity um, mm-hmm. to be able to hold the ring and uh, not be overtaken by it. That's right. They were not subject to greed, supposedly, or avarice. 
and that supposedly was, was it goes back to, to to what they call the common stock the ancient Romans did the same thing and this agenda has never changed the aristocracy of ancient Rome were also physical farmers they were involved in, in their own farming and so there were warriors and farmers and supposedly that's the only kind of society you can have they say they can, they can stay honest and non-corrupt you find Benjamin Franklin uh, talking about the same thing with America uh, and, and Jefferson even more so but they said that, that as long as everyone has their own their own cow and, and so on and their own, their own ground for growing uh, they'll, they'll be fairly untouched once industrialization comes in greed will take over and corruption will, will be the master so you're, you're quite right it's the, there's a lot of meanings behind what we see in things like Tolkien's writings based on ancient history up to the present time but you also see in his writings a, a eugenic system with a tiered group of special types of creatures at the top. Yes, the elves, um, yeah, all of them, yeah, absolutely. They're genetically yeah. different. Um, and they're more beautiful. The ones at the very bottom, the, the dark forces are ugly. Uh, but at the very end, what's interesting is they win against the dark forces by using the, the biggest army of all and as the land of the dead, the shades. Yes. So, so they use the general public to fight their wars, win, and then the general public simply fade away. They're gone. Their use is over. Wow. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was a good analysis. Well, where do we go from here? Okay. <laughs> Something positive. It's the last segment. We like to talk about solutions. <laughs> well, what, one thing I would say is, you know, it, like a lot of people say, and Jibber Griffin says it, is that, you know, we didn't get to where we're at overnight. No. And um, we can't expect that anything's going to be fixed by the next election or, no, uh, right. um, you know, and I don't know how you feel about politics, but my uh, reaction is to try to do what I can locally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and get out there. I've always felt the politics, well, Congress, okay, I know my father gave me a huge unabridged dictionary when I was a child, and, and um, I don't remember if he told me or he told me to look it up, but I found out that Congress was actually meant sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, if you look at the world, the Congress, you look at the occult meaning of our words and mm -hmm. stuff like that, it's rather humorous, actually. Well, you get the Senate, and that comes from the Egyptian word for a chessboard. Exactly. So there, it could be quite humorous looking at the, the hidden meanings of, you know, these things. But um, so, and I've, I've, there's two schools of thought, you know, well, why wrestle with the mud and why wrestle with the pigs in the mud? You know, politics is not worth uh, getting involved in um, because it is kind of, uh, this whole system is, is fraudulent. It's uh, fraudulent, yeah. You know, well, yesterday, yesterday we voted on some uh, city elections here, some city uh, candidates. And we have, uh, at the precinct I voted at, there were 2,400 registered voters. You know how many showed up? A hundred. A hundred. Oh, it and, was, I was we right. Were, and we were voting on hundreds of millions of dollars worth of school funds. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like, uh, there have been many elections here in Austin where maybe 8 to 10, 8 to 12 percent of the pop of the voting uh, you know, public showed up. Yeah, what's happened, and this is again what they knew would happen, uh, under a socialized socialized system means that you, they give you a, a culture where you believe that you are being taken care of by some sort of better breed above you this invisible group and, and so you don't participate in creating your own future or destiny they've trained the public and this has happened over the last 50 years especially in the United States they've never had this in Britain 
but the United States in 50 years have trained the public to believe that the professionals are your natural masters and not your servants. And people have, have actually accepted that subconsciously in their minds, that government is not there to serve them, but to rule them. And that's the, that's the transition that's happened. That has to be reversed. Yeah, and we, uh, we had an interesting program um, on Genesis on uh, Saturday, Saturday evening, and we talked uh, to uh, George. What was our guest name? Tim Hong? Uh, well, yeah, he was uh, Mung P. Mung, Mung P. P. I'm sorry, yeah. Mung P. And he made an interesting observation about the election that happened uh, during the cyclone. Uh, there was early voting, and then the uh, the junta military regime, if you will, uh, insisted on finishing the election, holding the election after over a hundred, potentially over a hundred thousand people have been killed. The country's been devastated by the cyclone. The junta continue on with the election, and he he had an interesting observation that everybody in the population just knew they had to vote yes on this election. It was and that the the chiefs or the tribal uh, community that still and I don't know if those are the proper words uh, for the family clan, if you will, or the local social structure there. Um, if they didn't, if the leaders in the local didn't assure that there were yes votes then there would be retribution against the region or against the locality yeah. uh, by the military. So everybody was being brutalized, and so, you know, the election, they weren't, they were, they weren't bullied at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. um, they were bullied by the social pressure, knowing that if they don't follow, toe the line, or uh, adhere to what's coming down the pike, then there'll be retribution. So everybody voted yes, you know, and the, of course... It's just a complete sham. It's yeah. Hey, we got a caller. Uh, let's uh, let's take this call. Okay. Uh, Roy. Uh, well, he fell off a line there. I'm sorry, we missed that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Charlie. What were you well, saying? that was pretty much the conclusion that yeah. uh, you know things are pretty hopeless everywhere. If you're looking at the principle of the matter, mm -hmm. you know, on the surface everything can seem quite fine, you know, and um, your food poisons you, your water poisons you, people are getting fat and unhealthy and and they think, you know, a lot of, I remember I came of age in the, when, when I was young, people were physically fit generally. Uh, but the oils, the hydrogenated oils, the, the dyes, all the chemicals and the, the stuff that's in the food supply now. Um, and people thought that fat people were just gluttonous, you know. Uh, when in fact, it, it seems that, well, I finally came to the conclusion about 10 or more years ago, it's the food supply. It's the food. It's the food, in fact. You can be overweight and malnourished, and that's just it. The food has had all, all of its natural goodness taken out of it through massive processing. And when they have to start adding back, uh, adding back into cereals uh, vitamins that they've taken out and they give you synthetic ones back, you know that something's going on. Yeah, and then they claim that, the, you know, the earth isn't, you know, uh, you know, no, it's all about the God Almighty dollar. Yes, it is. And, and, and it's also, as I say to me, see, you want a sick population during massive changes. You don't want a fit, active, mentally alert, aware people when you're bringing down these kinds of changes. You want them dull and, and malnourished and, and, and floppy, and, and you'll get your way. And this was planned. This, this is war. See, this is war. This is a war strategy. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, the way ahead, I think, um, I don't know the way ahead. I'll be honest with you. I, I just... It would take a massive, a massive change um, from within the people themselves as to what's right and wrong. And I don't mean simply what's given as culturally right or wrong, but what you know innately is right and wrong, and, and start following that path. Because I think we'll go through hell before we'll see any heaven. 
uh, the way it's going. That's why people don't vote. We've seen the corruption, we've seen the agenda go on our whole lives, regardless of who gets put in power. And the, the change has to come from within the people themselves. Thank you very much, Alan. We don't want to forget this is Mother's Day, so we want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. And we know that the family's taking them out to eat and showing them some attention that they deserve. And so uh, we want to want to thank you again, Alan, for being with us uh, this afternoon, this evening. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for all your hard work and your insights and your wisdom. Well, you take care. Okay. You too, Alan. Take care. Thank you. Bye now. Charlotte? Yes, George. Well, we've got, uh, we're on the way out, 24 seconds. Uh, did, wish your, mom, your mama happy Mother's Day. Did you take her out? I or? gave her a big fat card, and, yeah, we went to lunch. And, uh, how about your girls? Did you talk to them yet? Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Uh, how are they doing? Thriving like a little couple of things, wonderful little things, right? Yeah. Every day's Mother's Day for me. I'm lucky. Okay. Hey, thank you, Charlotte. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.